We are back talking true stories. We've got a lovely panel with us. And today's topic, we're going to be speaking about where is God when we go through the lowest times in our lives? Where is he? We're going to be unpacking that. Just just some lighthearted conversation here today. Um, but we've got our lovely panel here who's going to be unpacking some of their story and some of the low moments that they've been through in their lives. What advice we can learn from them and how we can take that on in our own lives. So are we ready? Yay! Okay, okay. Um, but there's lots to learn. So thank you guys for coming along. Um, do you know what? Every day is not smiley faces. Let's be real about it. Hey, and we've got to be real and talk about it. We all go through low moments and how can we get through that together? Um, so guys, let's do some quick fires. Who you are, what do you do? And would you rather lose the ability to read or lose the ability to speak? Hmm. I am Stephen Mark Dawson, and I am also from Brighton. Hey, crew. And uh, I am a dad to six kids, and I help lead a church. And I would prefer to lose the ability to speak, because I... Actually, I think it might be surprising to you, but I actually, I actually love books. And when I was nine, I made a T-shirt that said, "I love books." That's how cool I was oh, when I was nine. Hello, everybody. Um, my name is Catherine Sigal. Um, Catherine Ann Sigal, and with an E. Um, <laughs> if you want to know, um, I when I'm not here, um, I run a bakery. Um, making cakes and eating brownie. I think I mentioned that in the seminar earlier this week. Um, I absolutely love my job. Um, And I'm also mum to two girls, um, Annabeth, who I think is in that general direction. Um, And there she is. Um, And Millie, who is in kids' work, learning to be a superhero. Um, And I would rather lose the ability to read. Um, I gave this a lot of thought. Um, But I love speaking, but I think speaking kind of also includes singing and chatting and praying. Wow. Uh, She thought outside the box for this one. Yeah, so I I would like all of those things and I'll just rely on the things that I've read to date. Good answers. (laughs) Good answers. Well, guys, great to have you with us. Thanks for joining us. And like I say, um, I'm going to be asking these guys some questions on some of their low moments in life and what we can learn from that. But also, this is an opportunity for all of you guys to ask your questions as well. So as we're going through this kind of interview style talk, have a little think in your brains. Have I got any questions on this subject that you would love to ask these guys? So near the end, I'm going to ask you guys to come up to the side and ask these guys some questions. So have a think as we go along in this interview. All right. So guys, I think it would just be so helpful to kick us off with maybe just sharing a bit about yourself, your story, and maybe just sharing a low moment in your life that you've been through and what that was like for you. Oh, which one to choose? Uh, okay, so um, I'm going to share two. Is that allowed? You're allowed. Okay, great. So uh, one was when I grew up in a really uh, great church and a really cool youth group until the age of 15. And uh, then my parents moved 130 miles away from where I lived uh, to a new town because uh, my dad's job. And um, and my life, like, just felt like the bottom just fell out of my life. Suddenly I didn't have any of my friends and support network. I broke up with my girlfriend, um, had to start A-levels, which were really, really difficult. Um, I just went through a total crisis in my life. and just, what did I do? Uh, I, In the midst of that, I decided to drive dreadlocks because um, that was choice. the kind of interesting life choices I was making. Uh, I just started choosing to really, I, I didn't really have any friends. And so I started hanging around with you know, a new bunch of friends, but they just weren't really friends. They would, you know, I don't, I'm not in contact with any of them now. And, um, and, and they, none of them are necessarily looking on me and that kind of stuff. It was just people to go out with. And back then getting into pubs was really easy. Uh, even when I was uh, 15, 16 years of age, <laughs> I looked about 11, but anyway, I scammed away into pubs. And so I just, I basically just drank a lot Thursday, Friday and Saturday nights. That's basically what I did. Um, which means I then messed up my A levels as well. Um, in, in quite a bad way for the first kind of 18 months of them and then tried to put it back in the last bit. 
And I just remember it just being really, really tough. I just remember just being very, very sad and just choosing to listen to lots of sad music, kind of shutting my parents out of my life. Um, I didn't go to my parents' new church. Um, and uh, it just, it was just, one of those moments, just, it was just every day just felt tough and difficult. And I think when um, Martin was talking about running away, anything that's tough, I just would just run away, just kind of disappear um, into my room, listen to music, play a lot of PlayStation, that kind of stuff. Um, just tried to, to get away from life a little bit and just cover it over with things. And uh, I kind of had two hopes to get out of this situation. I basically wanted to move back to where I used to live. And so I thought maybe I could win the lottery. And so I played the lottery Wednesday and Saturday every week for two years using the numbers 8, 15, 25, and 29, 45, and 49. <laughs> and uh, in the two years that I played, I won nothing oh. not even a tenner didn't even get three numbers the whole two years and uh and so i did that just because i was just so just like anyway i could just get money to get my ass out of this uh situation so that was kind of like that was plan b plan a was to do really well my a levels but that wasn't going so well because i was in the pub or not turning up for lectures and, and maths is hard uh so all kinds of things it just it just felt a tough tough time in my life and i just i didn't really know how to navigate out of it and didn't know i i i think it was church i still believed in god and known enough of god to know that he was real um and so there was definitely some choice some choice i could have made that I didn't um because i think i think god just in his kindness kept me from them uh but there's lots of bad choices that i did make yeah. and um yeah amazing i, I think oh that last thing is i started going out of emma my wife during that time which is a real highlight uh, until i cheated on her and broke her heart Ooh. and split up with her. So just <laughs> just chucked all that in as well. So and she wrote me a card. We broke up and she wrote me a card saying sorry um uh my condolences. <laughs> sorry for your loss. She sent me that card saying like this. <laughs> They say, you loser. Well, what have you done? Which is just fair enough, isn't it, really? So that, 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 was, a, so that was a pretty t- tough one. Okay, and, I, and obviously I didn't really deal with God. Another one that went through was a few years ago. I say a few. 15 years ago. <laughs> just a few. you were born. Okay. Um, we uh, lived in a house in an estate that we were kind of essentially church planting into. And uh, we were playing, paying our rent each month. Uh, but it turns out our landlord was not using that rent to pay the mortgage. And so they got their house repossessed by the bank. And uh, so we got given five days' notice to move out of our house and were wow. made homeless. And so me and my wife and my two little boys at the time, they were four and two. And so we just had to move out of our house. We had to move town and got put into emergency accommodation. And I had to, at the time, commute back and forth. And that was the landscape at the time. And it was just like losing a home. Felt like this is where we were meant to be, what to be doing, doing in God. And um, I cry- I'm, I'm quite a crier anyway, but I cried a lot. And it was very tough on Emma as well. And just to sp- put into this spin of like, where? God, you- we felt like you put us here. We're doing the thing we're meant to be doing for you. And that it just the whole thing just means turned upside down. And uh, the difference with that was we were just really walking with God. I said, although it was tough and hard, we, we felt like, God, you are doing something in this. And uh, God did do something through it. I don't know if I should say that now. I should come back to it. We can come back to it. Come back to it. Okay, we can cool. unpack that. Okay, okay, so there's a couple of sad moments at least in my life. Thanks for sharing. And Catherine? Just sad moments in my life. Um, <laughs> so if you were in the seminar a couple of days ago, um, I kind of gave a whistle-stop tour um, through the last couple of years for us. Um, but I, I kind of want to give you... Um, the credentials for why my things have happened in my life that have been sad enough that I am worthy enough to sit on this bench and kind of give a testimony of God's goodness. Um, some of the hardest points in my life have been around my um, around self-image um, and kind of me fully accepting the way that I look um, and the shape and size of my body. That's kind of an ongoing. Um, recurrent sometimes it's definitely um uh yeah something that I've I've battled with and really won against at some points um and then uh my body shape has changed I had babies I've had breast cancer um and so I feel like I'm I'm kind of constantly um choosing to go back to the bible and going back to the truths of who I am in God um I would say at its lowest um my battle with my body um was all very secret so um, I, uh, unbeknown to friends and family, um, I'd signed myself up to uh, several kind of dieting websites. Um, it's all kind of done in secret. 
I was um, calorie counting everything that I ate. Um, I would wake up in the morning and honestly the first thought I had was like, right, how can I not eat today? How can I get away with not eating? Um, where can I you know, drop food? How can I do this secretly so nobody finds out, nobody knows how I'm feeling, nobody knows about that. Um, and uh, there was a, a very powerful point in my life where God met with me and I can share that later. Um, and that's not no longer my story, but that was my story, I would say, probably between the ages of 15 to maybe 21, um, all sort of going along in the background. Um, but in the last couple of years, we have um, just been absolutely ravaged <laughs> as a family. Um, and those things include um, losing Martin's dad. So Martin's dad died um, over the course of about a month. He went from being very poorly to passing away and so we've had to walk that Um, in that same year I was then diagnosed with breast cancer um, at the age of 32 my friend had died um, about of breast cancer about six weeks earlier so I was very aware that this could have taken my life Um, and then we walked through lockdown and we've all been through lockdown and that made us feel rubbish didn't it lockdown was rubbish Um, and then we walked into a situation um, where we borrowed some money on our mortgage um, and we were recommended a builder to um, do a little extension off the back of our house and update our kitchen and um, this person was a a friend of a good friend of ours they came highly recommended Um, they'd been friends for about eight years done loads of work together they'd been in 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 and out of each other's lives and homes and families and stuff and so we trusted this guy um, and he turned out to be a criminal and he took our £30,000 and he laundered it. So not only did he steal our money, he then didn't have any money to then do our house. So he proceeded to um, destroy our house and make it unsafe. And he built an unsafe structure that could have fallen on our kids. Um, and we lived with that for about six months, not knowing that he was a criminal. And he lied and he lied and he lied. And during that situation, we prayed and we prayed and we prayed and we said, God, but you, we asked you about this and you said, yep, this is the right thing to do. And we asked you and we said, yep, this is the right thing to do. Um, And so for, uh, yeah, for six months, we had a very disruptive, broken home, um, literally, (laughs) fabric wise. Um, And then we had this amazing team come in when we realized the truth of what was going on. And so for June till December of last year, um, they had to take it all down and and rebuild it all um and i i shared a couple of days ago that the the testimony is that god restored all of that money um which is amazing um but we we can now see kind of looking back what god has done in all of those scenarios um but we can definitely testify that when you're right in the thick of it it sucks and it's really hard um so we can share a bit more about that in a minute Guys, that is incredible. Just thank you so much for your vulnerability. Thank you for being so open and honest about the hard times that you guys have been through. Uh, One, it's helpful for all of us to know here that we're not alone when we go through hard times, but also that you're standing here today with us and that you're okay. And even through the hard and the thick of it, you're here today. And we thank you so much for that. Um, But also, I think it's really important to address maybe the, the elephant in the room is that why on earth are you? these things happening why are we allowed to go through these hard times why isn't every day a bright and breezy day and how on earth do we find God in those moments so I guess from your experience do you want to kind of follow on in that story how you find God and why those things happen such a helpful question so I think um it's so important to get our heads right on this um I've heard other people speak about you must have a theology an understanding of pain and suffering. You have to understand why that exists in the world. And some of it is understanding that you can't understand it fully. Uh, but you have to have some kind of understanding. Because I think when I was kind of 15 to 18, having a really hard time, I, part of the difficulty was I just didn't understand. It was just tough. And so therefore I just turned to all kinds of other things. Uh, later in life, when we went through being homeless, yes, it was tough. But because you understand God and what God's like and how he works through circumstances, it changed everything. So yes, why is there suffering? Well, suffering happens because it returns back to the beginning of the Bible. Adam and Eve got it wrong. They sinned against God. And basically, as a result of that, the whole of creation is cursed. That means we're cursed in terms of decisions we make. It means that all creation is cursed. That's why, you know, the world gets too hot and too cold and storms and everything else. That's why we have disease and all kinds of things. In this world, there will be trouble. Jesus said it very clearly to us. In this world, you have trials, you have tribulations. We should not be those who are surprised when trouble comes our way. 
we now have to know low moments are going to happen. I said this earlier in this week. If you haven't had trouble in your life yet, don't worry. It's coming. It will. Low things happen. Difficult things happen to all of us uh, because that's part of being in a fallen world, a world that isn't, isn't as God intended it. Okay, the world got wrecked. And that's not, God didn't wreck it, but God's helping to fix it and involve now. But we just need to know that's, that's what he does. And the great thing about what the Bible says as well is that God uses everything for our good. What does he use? What does he use? Everything. God uses breast cancer. God uses the actions of criminals. God uses homelessness to, to, for his purposes, for the good of us. And uh, when I was 15 to 18, I couldn't quite understand what God was doing. But you know what? God used that wonderfully to turn my life. It got me to a point of just such desperation. Like, I cannot find a way through. It's not going to be in my A-levels. I'm not going to make it into the finance, financial. I'm not, I'm not going to become some amazing financial guru because I can't even add up. And I'm terrible at picking the right numbers for the lottery. It's just not going to happen. And so, but God, by his grace, used those things and some other circumstances to bring me back to himself to realize, you know what? I need to put my life on God. And when it came to being homeless, the wonderful end of that story is that God really taught us how to pray. God really put some spiritual muscle on us. I remember one of the, the, the uh, ladies in my church coming to pray for me. Uh, one of the elders' wives came to pray. She goes, Stephen, I can see you getting broader in your shoulders. I'm like, oh, thanks so much. She's like, no, no, spiritually. I was like, oh, sure, sure. And uh, no, she said, no, I can see it getting spiritually stronger and muscles getting in you. As you go through this, being homeless, working out what's next, God's going to teach you stuff. And sure enough, we have this wonderful story where the house that we lost, we got kicked out of, we went to auction to buy and uh, basically said to the bank, how much can we spend on this house? They're like, well, you haven't got much income with your self-employed earning some gardening, uh, but probably as much as 140 grand. I was like, okay. So I went to this auction to buy the house and the house starts, the bidding starts at 140. And so my wife was sitting with me, just starts crying. She's like, we've lost the house already. And I'm like, no, we're not going to lose the house. Jesus, what can we bid to? I'm like, yeah, please speak to me, please speak to me. I just felt him say 153. So I was like, great. So I just started bidding. My wife was looking at me like, what are you doing? You're bidding with money we don't have. And so I just bid all the way up. And we, we got it for, oh no, sorry, God gave me the number 154. And we got it for 153. So I got it for 153, and they put the paperwork up. I said, sir, have you got that money to pay today? I was like, no, no problem. Just give us it within 28 days. I'm like, sure. I'm just going to find 13 grand just, you know, laying around somewhere. So I was like, God, we're just going to. So we just prayed. So me and my wife and some friends, we just we didn't tell people how much we were short. We just prayed and prayed. And God provided all 13 grand. And so I got a house. Well, I got a house back. And uh, God had such a miraculous provision. But the thing in it is like, yes, we got the house. Yes, we got a, a story. But it's still what God taught us in the midst of difficulty. In the low moments, God is doing things in it. And sometimes we won't see them in this life. Sometimes like, there's still some tough things happening in my life I still don't understand. And one of my, my, my son's best friends, he died. I'm thinking, I just can't understand how watching a 13-year-old boy go through cancer and die is, is for my good. I can't work that. I can't see that. There is mystery there. And it is really, really, really tough. And there's still days where it makes me cry and it, gives, it grieves me. But I also know that God grieves God's heart. God doesn't like evil. It doesn't like sadness uh, in the world. I said a lot. Sorry. All great. So the question is, um, where where was God in the dark moments that you experienced and how did he help you through those moments? Um, the short answer is right there with me. Um, so something I'd like to do with you, if you're not too hot and it's not too squinty, um, is I'd love for you to say, Psalm 23, God walks with me. Can you say that with me? Psalm 23... God walks with me. So the next time you go through something low, go to Psalm 23. If you don't, want, don't know what Psalm 23 is, Psalm 23 is in the Bible. And there's a whole collection of psalms which are um, kind of songs and poems to God. And Psalm 23 is the Lord is my shepherd. And some of you will be familiar with it and some of you won't. I clung to the words in Psalm 23 um, when Martin's dad died. I clung to the words in Psalm 23 when I had breast cancer. I clung to the words of Psalm 23 um, when our house was in disarray um, because for me it's it's the truth of God is my shepherd and he's not going anywhere and so even it says towards the end of the psalm even if I walk through the valley of the shadow of death as in like even if death is casting a shadow over me because it's so close God is with me and God will walk through that with me and I 
my testimony of kind of walking through all of those um, different experiences is knowing Jesus as Emmanuel. Emmanuel um, is a, a big word and a name for God that basically means God with us. And the Bible talks about Jesus being closer than a brother. And I've got a brother and some of you have got brothers or sisters who you're incredibly close to and you absolutely love and you do absolutely anything for. But there was a moment for me where I'd, I'd had a second operation and it was about one o'clock in the morning and I was sat up in my bed and I was in absolute agony and Martin was asleep in the room next door so as not to bash into me and the kids were asleep and it felt like the whole world was asleep and I felt the presence of God I felt Jesus close in that moment and I felt Jesus say to me even if everybody else is unable to help you even if they want to and I know that they would I am the closest thing I am walking with you through it and actually for me do you know something crazy is I wouldn't take away going through breast cancer because going through breast cancer for me was such a good thing for my faith. Doesn't that sound crazy? Like, I remember the October before I got my results. And I remember praying and saying, Lord, what is next for me in this season? Um, and I have a prophetic gift. And I often see images or words and things in my mind's eye, which is how God speaks to me. And I saw this big, blank, white screen. And I was thinking, <gasps> I don't know what's coming. I don't know what to, you know, I don't know what God has for me in this next season. I started freaking out about it. And in hindsight, uh, later on, Jesus spoke to me. He said, if I told you that the next thing was breast cancer, do you think you would have trusted me that that was a good thing? And I'd be like, heck no. (laughs) But actually, I knew that that was for my good. And my story of having breast cancer is, so my my very dear friend who was um, only a couple of years older than me, had um, died of breast cancer in the September of 2019 before I got diagnosed. She had gone on holiday. She had stomach pains. She thought she had gallstones. um, And they found that she had had breast cancer that metastasized. It meant it spread from her breast um, to her liver. And she died two weeks later. Um, And she then encouraged me to check my body and I found the cancer itself. And so I walked into cancer being like, this could kill me. This actually could. This, there's no kind of getting around this. Um, and God did two things. First, he reminded me of a verse in the Bible that says to live is Christ and to die is gain. And in that moment, I was like, my the, my uh, the foundation of my faith was being questioned. I was like, do I actually believe this? All these songs that I sing and um, the trust that I have and the knowledge I have of the Bible and the knowledge I have of who God is, do I believe it? when you know when the rubber hits the road moment and I was like yes I do like if I die I go to be with Christ and that's for my gain but if I live I live for him so I was kind of like chatting to God in prayer and I was like if you give me more of life I'm living it for you I'm going after you I'm unashamedly declaring you and proclaiming you and God did that and so that was all before I was diagnosed and then I went to the hospital And they sat us in this little room and everybody had said, it's not cancer, it's not cancer, it's not cancer. And I got into that room and they went, we're really sorry, Mrs. Segal, but it's breast cancer. Um, And it's a very weird moment. It's like an out-of-body experience. I don't know if anybody else has experienced it here. But it was like, you know, kind of out, yeah, it was very, very strange. And we left the hospital that day and got into the car. And we had about a 45-minute drive back to our house. And... um, and Martin started crying, understandably, very, you know, frightened to at the potential of losing me. And I remember just this really deep peace just coming within me and almost like this like immediate resilience. And um, I don't say this to kind of sound all kind of self-righteous, um, but I just wanted to worship. And so we put a CD on and we had 45 minutes of driving back to our house. And I just sung and I cried and I sung and I cried. <laughs> And God said to me in that moment, he was like, I'm not going to heal you miraculously because I get more glory from your story. But I'm going to walk with you every single moment of it. And so I would then go back into church and people were crying (laughs) and lamenting over the fact that I had breast cancer. And they were like, we want to pray for you. Lord Jesus, we pray that you will heal heal Catherine's cancer in the name of Jesus. And I was like... He's not going to do that. <laughs> like he's not, he's already told me. Like I absolutely 1000% believe that God can take cancer in an instant. But I also believe that God can use everything, including cancer, for my benefit, for my, the strengthening and the deepening of my faith and my relationship with Christ and to bring him glory. Um, and I felt like walking through cancer particularly, it felt like 
right then, everyone's looking at me now. And so the people that I worked with that didn't know Jesus and my neighbours that didn't know Jesus and people on the school run that didn't know Jesus, they're like, oh, yeah, aren't you a Christian? And this is really hard. Okay, now let's see how you respond. Um, And not in a a performance way, but I was just like, I was able to talk to them and just say, this is terrifying. And my kids were five and three at the time. I was like, so if I died, there was a very real chance that my kids wouldn't even remember who I am, which was just horrific um but I I held on to that promise from God I was like I'm gonna walk it I'm gonna walk it and every single day I walked with it and sometimes I screamed at Jesus and sometimes I even swore and Christians aren't meant to do that and I was like where are you where are you um and the reason I love Psalm 23 and the book of the Psalms is that that's what King David did and that's what the writers of the Psalms did the Bible isn't like this flimsy, flowery book. There's the Psalms particularly are are people of God going, Why did you do this? Why are you allowing this in my life? Why would you let this horrible thing happen to my friend? Where have you gone? Why are the wicked prospering? Why has that person got loads of money where I work so much better than them? My character so much better than them. And they pour out to God and they lament and they shout at him because he's big enough and you're allowed to do that. And that is prayer as much as Lord Jesus, we love you and we worship you and you are good and you are faithful and you are constant and you are with us. And you look through some of the Psalms and that's how it ends it starts with what the flip god like where have you gone like this sucks this hurts i'm in pain this is broken i hate that there's sin in the world but god but god i will turn to worship you but god i will lift my eyes again and i will lift my hands and i would trust in your goodness and so the more that you can understand who god is you know that incomparable book that andrew wilson lifted up the other day that is teeny tiny chapters say god is this 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 you can get that in you now then when everything else falls apart you can go but god you are this yeah yeah Wow. Guys, I'm so speechless. Thank you so much for sharing just the true depths of the highs and lows that you have all been through. There is definitely loads to learn from there. Um, As I said at the beginning, um, if you've been thinking throughout this interview and you have some questions, now is your opportunity to ask them. So if you're brave enough and want to come ask the question yourself, uh, we'd ask that you start lining yourself up just behind the speaker here. If you want to come ask a question, we'll give you the microphone. If you're a little bit scared and shy, that's absolutely fine. Maybe ask a youth leader around you and they can come up and ask the question on your behalf. Um, So whilst you guys quietly come up and ask your questions, I'm just going to ask you guys one more question what is some final advice that you would give to these guys who are going through those low moments what are things that you would have loved to have known when you were going through those times that we can share with these people so whilst you guys answer bring yourself up if you want to ask any questions um one thing i'm really passionate about which is um that is brilliant because it's what tj preached on the other day is that um shame is a tactic of the devil And so if there's anything in your life that's making you feel sad or low, whether you're battling with um, depression or mental illness of any state, um, whether you're caught up in anything that you're not proud of, whether you're doing things in secret that you think you can't possibly share that with anybody, um, I would say talk to somebody, trust somebody, um, because part of the power is held in the fact that um, it's secret. And it's done in the shadows. And so for me, part of my journey of um, kind of growing in um, my understanding of who God was, you know, I said at the beginning, like I really um, battled with kind of self-esteem and body image and all that sort of thing, is I confessed to somebody and I said, I've been signing up to this stuff. Um, And what's amazing is that in that moment, you think people are going to go, no way, like you're so disgusting or I can't believe you did that. But if you talk to somebody who is a trusted, mature Christian who loves you, the only thing that you're going to receive is grace. And and I just find that amazing. And so I think that um, what I'd want to pray and and speak over you is like the freedom of Christ, that if you can share it with somebody, that's, you know, a problem shared is a problem halved. Um, And then you can start working God's power and God's peace and God's comfort into the situation. Don't go through it alone. Nothing you have done 
or have said or have thought has not been done before. There's nothing new under the sun. You're not the per- first person to have struggled with that, thought that, questioned that. Um, but yeah, it was for freedom that Christ has set us free. So talk to somebody. Um, yeah. Great. Um, I guess maybe summarize some things we've already said, but <clears throat> I think really understanding, understanding that when you're in a bad situation, um, just not being confused uh, is one thing. So, you know, there's some one sense of just being, just expecting it, uh, not in a kind of like a doom and gloom way, but just being, just being real about the fact that life is tough um, is not a bad thing. Um, I think, uh, um, yeah, I think God may have a relationship with Him, as I said earlier this week, but also to have a relationship with other people. It's just a massive, massive part of what it is to be a Christian is to have other people. That other believers who trust Jesus. I read it quite recently. I'm not going to say it quite right, but it basically says that the gospel the other person understands is more powerful than the gospel you understand. Because when Catherine tells me God loves you, it somehow lands better than when I try and tell it to myself. I try to say, "Oh, God loves me." God loves me. Catherine says, "God loves you." I mean, she looks me in the eye. That's, it lands better. We need other people just to remind us again of the gospel and his goodness and his grace. We need people who we're honest with, people who are going to check in on us. You are, if you're here, it means you have youth leaders who already love you, which is great. And I've got to just give a shout out to one youth leader. That's Kate Ball, who's just sitting here. Kate, just give everyone a little wave. She's a great youth leader, but actually she's, she's just a really good friend of mine. And uh, she just looks out for me. She, I think she probably texted me even today saying, hey, mate, hey, friend, how are you doing today? Just got people looking out for you to say, hey, how are you doing? And uh, we all want people to do that for us, don't we? Um, but we want people to do that. Like, the best way to do it, get, get it done, is by start doing it. <laughs> you know, when was the last time you sent a text to someone saying, hey, how are you doing? Is there anything I can pray for, that kind of stuff? So, so yeah, understand that trouble's coming. Get some friends in your life. And I'll just say, get more of God in your life. Whatever way that looks. And we can tell the standard ones. Pray some. Read his Bible. Read the Psalm 23. For me, I love the fact, even because Catherine mentioned singing, I think this time last year, I love to sing. Actually, the whole words in reading now, singing's on the table, like, oh, man. Uh, but I realized, actually, for me, just I know that singing to God really brings me so much joy, brings me closer to God. So actually trying to build that into my life a bit more. What helps you get closer to God and do some more of that, essentially? Incredible. Well, guys, we've got someone here for a question. If you want to boldly come over and share. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, I've got a qu- um, Yesterday evening session was really, really powerful. And a lot of my youth, um, this time, uh, first timers, and a lot of them were really, really vulnerable for the. F- a lot of them were really vulnerable for the first time, and um, and that's really hard sometimes. So how do you? How would you encourage the youth if they've seen someone who's been vulnerable and maybe they've perceived them a different way before, not to maybe use that against them to support them? Um, because for me, growing up in church, I wasn't vulnerable until my adult life. And I'm so proud of them that they were able to express and express God in a different way. How would you, um, for those maybe, maybe who don't understand or, yeah, how do you, yeah, thank you. Yeah. Well done. Thanks for sharing. Very good question. My two instinctive um, answers kind of came to mind. Um, the first is that you're called to... Um, love others as you would want to be loved treat others as you want to be treated so if you'd stepped out and been brave and um, prayed for the first time raised your hands for the first time sung out loud prayed out loud admitted something for the first time how would you want that to be received how would you want other people to treat you um, and act like that be kind be grown up be um, considerate of people Um, but my other answer is um, about love um, the Bible says that love is patient, love is kind, um, and it, it lists the kind of characteristics of it, and that's what we're called to do. We're called to love others um, as you love yourself. You're called to love God. You're called to treat others as the way that you treat yourself, like I said. So, um, yeah, be patient with people. Be kind, be gentle, be faithful, um, and, yeah. Yeah, I want I won't anything to, to that side of things. I think just encourage you, if you are being vulnerable, just well done. Good stuff. Bring stuff into the light. There's, you know, that, that is a great, just breaks the power of so much stuff. But do choose the right people to be vulnerable with. Telling your whole youth group that you're touching your willy is probably not a thing you should be telling everyone. So, you know, I'm just going to say the words masturbation, pornography. So they're all things, okay? And you need to confess those things. They're things in your life. But probably telling your whole youth group that is probably not going to be the best thing to do. Find some people who are really 
trusted and say it to them. And I, do, I want you to know, I have shared some things with some people sometimes. And it is lovely when people are like, hey, great, thanks for telling me. It'd be great. I have had a couple of people go, oh. I'm like, what? <laughs> it's that bad? And I've had a couple of moments like that. Or people are just sat kind of stunned in silence. Like, it's like, okay, they don't know what to do with this. So I was like, you know what? Don't worry. Just just pray for me. I'll go find someone else. And so sometimes you do have to go through that process and that's a bit tough, but, but persevere. Do you have a question? Do you want to come around the back of the speaker? Yeah, yeah. Thanks, guys. Come around, come around. Hi, what's your question? Uh, how do you get to lead 12 to 14s? Great question. Great. <laughs> how do you get to do it? <laughs> you have to kill off Martin How do we beat yeah, kill off my... Uh, anyone can have a go. They let anyone in. Um, I have no idea. <laughs> um, I might have to do Work on promotability, not promotion. Okay? So what does ex- that mean? Let me explain that for you. So, you can work on what you could do in life. So, it's 12 to 14s or being this, that and the other. God's not looking at that. God's looking for a heart. That he can honour. Okay, I got asked to do twelve fourteens uh, because someone spotted something in me. I mean, I'm, I do get in a lot of trouble, but there was something in there they thought was good, and God was doing, and they asked me to do it. You know what? But because I just just pursuing God where I was, uh, so pursue God where you are, and let God promote you. All right. Next question. Come round. Hi. Thanks for coming up. What's your name? What's your question? Uh, I'm Amelia. Um, uh, how would you suggest um, to treat a friend when they're going through a time of vulnerability and like how to help them? Great question. Thanks, Amelia. Um, I would say ask them how they want to be looked after. Um, because have anybody heard of like love languages? Have you ever heard of love languages? So love languages is, is this concept where you... Um, you give and receive love differently so for some people um if that friend was having a really bad time um they'd want a hug um for some people they'd want you to just spend some time with them um for some people they'd want you to kind of just say really nice things over them maybe share things from the bible or really kind of build them up um for some people it might be do you know what i'm going to step in and do the washing up rotor for you so that you can just have a bit of a break um but sometimes it's you you know that friend well enough to be like i think this will really bless them and sometimes you don't um and it's okay to just be like i can see like you've gone through a bit of a tough time or maybe you've responded in one of the meetings been a bit vulnerable um like last night we had some youth come back and clearly you know a bit teary and whatever it's just like we're meant to love each other so just kind of step in and see what you can do but i think the best thing you can do is just ask that person the worst thing you can do is ignore it the worst thing you can do is just because i think this is what we do in british culture and this is definitely what I, i experienced when i was going through cancer and various other things is like lots of people just said we just wanted to give you some privacy and they left us alone for weeks and i absolutely i can see the heart in that but i don't receive love that way like i'm i'm i can say no if i don't want you to come into my house i can say no if i don't want your lasagna or i don't want you to look after my kids but at least offer um so just offer talk to your friends and actually do you know what in being vulnerable with one another and asking those kind of questions that's a really mature and deep way of having a friendship that actually a lot of adults really struggle with so if you can get in the habit of doing that now man you guys are going to soar amazing just that's such a great point um, if you don't know what to say or don't know what to do, still say something, still do something. That I teach, I teach adults this all the time. People are like, oh yeah, that person, they had a miscarriage, but I didn't know what to say, so I didn't go and see them. Like, what are you talking about? There isn't anything to say, but go and be with your friend. Go and sit with them, go and love them. That's all they need. And like I say, if they need space, they'll tell you they need space. If you don't know what to say, you don't know what to do, still say something, still do something, because you'll express some love. Okay, last couple of questions. Come Amazing. Come round, come round. Hi. What's your name and what's your question? Um, I'm Shane, and my question is, why is it that sometimes when I pray and I'm in this pain, I just feel like I'm speaking to no one and he's not there? Fantastic question. Thanks for sharing, man. Well, you can join the psalmists. So when we read the Psalms, the people who wrote the Psalms, a lot of those Psalms are literally like, God, where are you? I am praying and it feels like you are not there. I'm praying and it feels like I'm in a desert. You promised me streams of water and it's just a desert-like. And uh, we all go through moments like that where 
Just so you know, anyone stage speaking this week, they do not have these wonderful spiritual lives where they're just floating on clouds and God speaks to them every moment like this. It doesn't work like that. All of them have gone through most of the time. It's like, I'm praying because I know it's good and it's right and there's a cumulative effect and there's a relationship I've got with God. Uh, sometimes I have some amazing times with my wife. Just saying. Uh, we have some really special times together. But a lot of the time, it's just all right. It's just the hard game. She's just there. She's my wife. You know, we do the, all right, babe. All right, sweetheart. Feel free to have your own conversation when I'm chatting. No worries. You carry on. Uh, so, yeah, sometimes we have amazing times together. Sometimes she's just in a field chat with someone else. And you think, what's going on? But she's there. She's always there. Honestly, God's never just chatting someone else. He is always there. He loves us. And sometimes he's quiet. It's sometimes a way to draw us to himself. Sometimes a way he's like, you know, are you, you going to keep seeking me? Are you only going to seek me when it feels amazing in a big worship session? No, you're going to seek me in the quiet place where it's tough. And, and sometimes it is. Sometimes when I'm particularly low, um, I don't think I've ever had depression, but I, ha- I do have some little spirals when I get a bit of a low place. And emotionally, I just find it really hard to connect with God in any setting. And uh, those moments are particularly hard, particularly if there's a season of that. And that's particularly when I need other people. Other people to keep reminding me and walk alongside me. So, but but it's, I want to say it's normal and it's things we need help with. Yeah. I'd also say um, change the question. So if your prayer is why, God, why, um, and you're not getting anywhere, you can ask God and say, what are you doing? Like, what what are you doing? I'm coming to you saying, why would you do this? I'm really angry with you. Um, but you can say, I trust that you are a good God. I trust that you work all things together for the good of those who love you. Try and show, show me the good. Show me what's happening. What's what's changing in my character? Um, what are you doing in the you know in the big picture of things? Um, yeah, come at it from a different angle. Amazing. Thanks, guys. We have room maybe for one or two more questions. So next person, if you want to come through, come through. Hello. What's your name? What's your question? Hello. I'm George. Nice to see everyone. Um, I think just a lot of guys who've come to this uh, seminar to hear you guys speak, thank you so much for sharing from your story and from your testimonies. Um, I think a lot of the young people out there um, came because of the title and it's about being low and I think a lot of uh, young people will be going through their own low season or they've been through depression or going through it, mental health struggles. And I think... um, that the Bible talks about Satan being the father of lies and telling us lies, and that's his biggest weapon against us. And when we're in that place, it it makes things worse when he lies to us. So I, I just want to ask you guys what, what you think are some of the biggest lies uh, that Satan tells us in these moments that we need to ignore, that we need to counter. Fantastic question. Thanks, I man. think the biggest lie is Jesus isn't real. God doesn't exist. Um, he has no power. All this is phony. Because if he can get you to believe that, then everything else that follows is and null and void. Um, I felt like the Lord, the Lord just wanted to say um, that there's no shame in mental illness. And actually, I fully believe that as our physical bodies can be broken um, and need a bit of help, um, you know, kind of medically um, while we're on this earth before we go to glory and get a new body. So do our minds for some of us. Some of us need the support um, of medication um, until all of that is redeemed. Um, But I think I've kind of been on that journey a little bit myself. And I think if you can take some time to try and get to the root of what it is that you're feeling like the overarching feeling are you sad about something are you anxious about something are you scared and fearful um um, and and try and get to the root of that and then kind of study into it or get alongside people who can really speak the truth of um of what the Bible says and what God would say about that, then that's really helpful. Um, but we don't want to kind of dismiss it as like a a one time fix. Like for some of you, this will be this will be your your cross to bear. This will be your thorn in your flesh. This will be your thing going forward. And I think if you can learn to walk with Jesus in it and let Jesus into it and let others into it, um, like I said, kind of breaking some of the shame around it. That's that's enormous. Sometimes God comes in and He miraculously heals and He takes it away and that's no longer a battle and sometimes it's it's choosing Christ every single day and claiming the promises even if they don't feel 
true. Something can be true even if it doesn't feel like it. I am a good mum. I don't feel like it most days um but that is true of me i know that is true of me and so speaking that over yourself um but i i often do uh, exercises with, with women that are in my small group or in my discipleship group um, and i get them to write out what they'd say about themselves so we sang in 12 to 4 scenes i am who you say i am and so if you can this is for guys and girls if you can write am write out a, an exercise and say i am and you write out all the negative things and all the positive things, then you start to get an understanding of what you're speaking over yourself. And I would say that that is the start of a journey to freedom because sometimes you just... Um, so for me, my journey was every day from the age of 15 to 21, I woke up and I said, I'm fat. I woke up, I'm fat, I'm fat, I'm fat. And I spoke that over myself for years and years and years. And um, one evening meeting... Uh, at a church in Norwich, which isn't far from here when I was at university, a lady brought a prophetic word. She had this image in her head and she said, I can see a woman who's walking around with a handbag and in that handbag there's a ruler. And she takes this ruler out and she measures herself up to every other woman who's around her and she doesn't measure up, basically. And I feel like the Lord might want to do something. And in that moment, God said, enough is enough. And so I came forward and I was crying and people prayed for me and it broke. Something in my spirit broke. That lie broke because I confessed it to somebody and I said, I, I think I'm fat. Um, and actually, if you kind of go, well, what does God say? Like, is that true? I am fat. What does God say? God says, I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Therefore, that isn't true. I'm going to bring that out into the light. And God went, let's get rid of that. And that following morning, I woke up and for the first time in five years, I didn't think that. And then ongoingly, I haven't thought that. There's times where I go, could probably do with some new clothes or could probably do with going to the gym. But that's different from claiming that as your identity, as I am this, I am this, I am this. And so if you write it out or you pray it out or you say it to somebody, you can literally go, I am unloved I am unwanted I am useless well hang on a minute what does the bible say the bible says the opposite therefore that is a lie that's good that's so good yeah absolutely I think yeah the devil does tell us lies maybe that's even new, new news to you the world tells you lies as well and as, as Catherine so clearly demonstrated we tell ourselves lies as well we all tell ourselves have our own little kind of tape playing tape playing our own little Spotify playlist going on our own favourite kind of things we say about ourselves don't we and uh, and that's the case I just for guys I want a couple just are you buy it you're on, your, you're on your own I said that this morning just felt as I was praying for this this morning just some people here think I'm just lonely no one knows me no one understands I'm by myself and it's just not true um, I've yet to meet someone who is properly actually alone really there's always someone they can reach out to and God is genuinely with you that's not a nice thing to say it's not a nice thing to put a magnet it's true he really is Emmanuel God with us that's, that's a tr- that's a thing the other thing that I, I, I hear guys particularly and girls as well but it is that I can't do this this is too much I need a way out and the Bible, again, just there's truth that comes against that. God will give us the grace that is sufficient for what we have and often just sufficient for the day. I would love to have all the grace and power and everything I need for this next year. But God does goes it out and just here's a bit for today. Here's a bit for today. Here's a bit like we come back to him each day and say, God, give, 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 give what we need. Yes, absolutely. We live in a relationship. We live in dependence upon him. Um, I'm actually not going to say any more questions. I think we should just it'd be great just to pray for some people. Um, yeah, I was just going to say, before we bring our time to a close, firstly, let's give you guys a round of applause for all your wonderful vulnerability. Thank you, guys. But yeah, we're going to just end this time in a time of prayer. Stephen's going to lead us. But just before I pass it over to us, uh, my friend here from our prayer team just felt like God had something to share with some people in the room today. So over to you. Thank you. Uh, I might get emotional, so sorry if I do. Um, but yesterday I had this picture of... Um, a like a dirty bog basically a big shaft of mud and blech. and then the pictures changed um into this mine shaft of jewels um oh there it goes <laughs> and i just get the sense that you might be here thinking but i'm just in this big mess and i don't know how to get out of it and i didn't even create it it's just happened around me um and God wants to show you that he can turn even that into jewels. Psalm 40 says this, I waited patiently for the Lord. He inclined to me and heard my cry. He drew me out of the pit, 
out of the bog. He set my feet on a rock. He made my steps secure. And then it says, he put a new song in my mouth, a hymn of praise to God. Many will see it and fear and put their trust in him. And God can do that in the most painful situations. Um, And I'm standing here today as proof of that. Um, So I think if that resounds in you, then I'd love to pray with you. Um, So, yeah. Thank That's you great. so much for sharing. We're going to get an opportunity for just different ones to respond to that. And maybe there's something in my stories or in something in Catherine's story that's resonated with you. Just, you know, you something you think, oh, that's that's like me. That's like, I'd love to pray, get prayer for that. We'd love to pray for you. Uh, you've obviously got your youth leaders here. We've got some prayer team as well. So we, we're good to pray for you. But as I was preparing, I was thinking it'd be great to read a Psalm 23 over you all uh, before Catherine mentioned anything. That's what I said to Jess in my preparation. Yeah. He's really nice. And uh, that's a very popular psalm. But hey, God knows he does. I just thought maybe great just to maybe just close your eyes and I'll just think over this psalm okay this psalm mentions sheep sheep have got a lot of, a lot of mentions this week haven't they but it's about us and about the good shepherd it just says this a very famous psalm for a reason because it helps us in the realities of life it says this the Lord is my shepherd I have all that I need he lets me rest in green meadows he leads me beside peaceful streams he renews my strength He guides me along right paths, bringing honour to his name. Even when I walk through the darkest valley, I will not be afraid, for you are close beside me. Your rod and your staff protect and comfort me. You prepare a feast for me in the presence of my enemies. You honour me with anointing my head with oil. My cup overflows with blessings. Surely your goodness and unfailing love will pursue me all the days of my life and I will live in the house of the Lord forever. Heavenly Father, we want to thank you that uh, the truth of this psalm is true for each person here. It's true, we will go through dark valleys. We see that, we know that. And uh, God, we just say thank you that in the midst of it you promised to be close by us. Not just close by us, uh, Lord God, but bless us in the midst of it. Lord, keep us safe, Lord, and lead us into good good places, Lord God. But thank you, your goodness and your mercy, your grace, your forgiveness, it pursues us. It literally chases after us, Lord God. We cannot escape your, your uh, eyes, Lord God. We cannot escape your hands and your touch and your blessing. I just want to pray for each person right now. I pray for the person who's having the best new day, the best day. We say, God, bless them. Multiply their blessings. We do. But Lord, you know, there's lots of people here where they are low. Well, life is difficult. And we say, God, would you come close to them right now? I pray first and foremost, they might just know you, Jesus. They might know your closeness, that you love, you care for them. The things that make them cry are things that make you cry. Lord, you wept over the sorrow of your friends. Thank you, we are your friends. You weep over the things that cause us upset. Thank you, God, you're the one who is wise and powerful to change situations around as well. And we come and say, you are our hope. Our hope is not in our ability, not in the lottery, not in medics, Lord God, not in friends, Lord God. Ultimately, our hope is in you, Jesus, and your ability to see us through and lead us into good places, we pray. Come bless us in Jesus' name. Amen.